Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well-being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. I am so excited to welcome Ashley Dufresne today. She is the founder of Authentic Embodiment, a master channel, energy alchemist, and rite of passage facilitator. She supports visionary leaders in life and business transition and guides them into the highest expression of their legacy. Ashley integrates energetics and channeling with behavioral and neuropsychology to initiate quantum rite of passage experiences. Her method provides a systematic approach to change, healing, and growth that launches her clients to quantum leap into the timeline of their high success, the one where they're making the greatest impact while living in ease, pleasure, and prosperity. Mm, that sounds so nice. Welcome, Ashley. So, you know, we were just talking about the liminal phase, but for those that aren't familiar, what is the liminal phase? Okay, such a good question because... <laughs> I talk about this like it's common knowledge because I'm just always in it with people. And I know that most people have no clue what I'm talking about. So to just preface you all, I am a, a trained rites of passage facilitator. So what that means is I support people in in transitional times, right? And um, rites of passage, as we know in societies, maybe marriage, death, birth, um, you know, these big life events that change somebody and change the role in which they show up in. And so this liminal space, do you know the word liminal? It comes, that it is, it means the in-between, that space in between. And so when we talk about the liminal phase, it is that phase that's in between chapters. You are no longer where you once were, but you're not yet in your next chapter. You're in this uncomfortable in-between space. And it is very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, we have all been there, but let's say that someone watching this is wondering, hmm, I feel like I'm in between something. How do you know when you're in, let's say, a minor transition versus a full-on liminal phase? Mm, great question. So the liminal space is um, to recognize you're in a minor transition versus the liminal space. It feels like you're you, you might not even identify with who you are. You might not even know who you are. You might be questioning the big things in life. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing next? What am I passionate about? What is my purpose? What is my, my next thing? Um, these deeper, like fundamental, like earth shattering questions where you feel disconnected from you. Where smaller transitions, I mean, there is a liminal space for smaller transitions. Like if you're moving or, you know, I can't think of anything else right now at the top of my head, but you know, the, there are that liminal space exists for those two. But when I'm speaking, as we're speaking, we're talking about the liminal phase, we're talking about those like life changing, like earth shattering moments where you are like totally dysregulated, like your nervous system dysregulated. So you're like, you know, often in panic or really anxious. It's hard for you to uh, regulate your breath. Um, it's hard to sleep. You, you might be struggling with diet and you're isolating. You might feel depressed, um, a lot of confusion. 
yeah, panic attacks are very normal in this phase. Um, just feeling that, that like disconnect in, in, and kind of that, um, intrinsic freak out mode of, oh my God, what's coming? <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, to kind of, um, if someone is like, wait, okay, so I just experienced a job loss. Does that count? Or let's say sometimes it's when the, you know, what hits the fan all at once. And let's say you lose your job, you lose your lover, you lose your house and you're like, okay, come on. <laughs> like I need a life raft or something. And, you know, it's really about trusting that you can get on the other side, but you know, this can sound a little cheeky to people going through it right now. Believe me, I know I've been there, but you know, how can you enjoy the process or make it as painless as possible? If you're in one of those really just like everything is crumbling around you stages. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a really good question. And I want to start by saying the liminal space is inherently uncomfortable and it's meant to be uncomfortable. And so, yes, they will talk about how to make it more easeful and, um, how to extract the richness from the space. But I just want to preface here because it allows you to provide yourself compassion and gentleness through the process that the liminal space is meant to be uncomfortable. You're not going to have the same amount of energy. You're not going to want to do the things that you normally do. You're going to feel unmotivated. These are normal things. And so um, understanding that in itself actually provides you this availability to more ease because you're providing yourself less, you're providing yourself a lot more um, compassion, which relieves that pressure you're putting on yourself. That alone is like a great way of making the space more enjoyable. Now, additionally, if you want to extract the most out of the space, which I, I really recommend because the magic that is available in the liminal space is like nothing else. It, it, when you're in the liminal space, you're not attached to anything. You're not attached to where you once were, whether it's changing homes or ending your relationship or ending career, you're no longer attached to that thing. And you don't yet have the attachment of what's coming. So you're in this really beautiful, potent space of non-attachment. And it's only when we're in the space of non-attachment that we can go really deep within ourselves and discover and uncover these deeper aspects of what our soul is yearning for, what our what our higher vision is that we might not have the availability to go to those steps because of the attachments and the security that we have externally. And so to be in the liminal space, to really, to explore the, um, the, the richness that is here is to actually first and foremost, support yourself in regulating, like regulate your nervous system. That means ground to breath work, cold exposure, whatever you need to do to like, reset that so you can come back to center and ground because only when you are regulated and grounded that you can actually be available to the richness that is only available here in the liminal space does that make sense it definitely does yes so i'm hearing that introducing or reinvigorating these practices of breath work and grounding you know i really love taking Himalayan sea salt baths. Um, one of my friends does something called, she calls them flash baths, where during the day, if she has 15 minutes, she is filling her tub with warm water and sea salt and just like grounding, getting in there. And I love that. I actually tried it this week um, and it was really great. And, you know, when it, it comes to this potent space that you speak about where so much becomes possible, inherent in that space is letting go. And I imagine that what's keeping what keeps a lot of people stuck is holding on to the past, 
um, either trying to hold on to it physically, like holding on to, you know, that relationship, holding on to uh, that home when you've been given 30 days notice or, you know, just holding on to something that in your soul, you know, no longer serves you. Sometimes it's all ripped from you. And it's like, congratulations, you were in the liminal phase. <laughs> you tried to fight it, but you're there. But what about when even psychologically, I know you have a background in mental health, uh, when you're holding on, how can you let go and really trust the process? That's such a good question. It's such a good question. And I actually feel like when, even when we are mentally holding on to something, we're still not, we're not yet in the liminal space. We're still in the crumbling or the death phase, which is like things are ending and that can be extended if we hold on to what once was, if we had that strong grip and we can feel elements of the liminal space creeping in, but man, that's uncomfortable to be in both of those spaces of the crumbling, that death phase and the liminal space. My invitation here, if you find that it's difficult to move out of the death phase and like be fully in that in-between is to hold yourself a ceremony, hold yourself a death ceremony, a severance ceremony, a release ceremony, however, whatever resonates with you and what you're going through and mark transition. You know, ceremonies are here to help us mark transition, like really end something or claim something new. So create that for yourself. It can be a really powerful practice in really ending and marking and like letting your soul speak through you of what no longer resonates and like marking that in time, whether that's through rituals of, you know, burning a cord if you're releasing a relationship or um, closing a door if you're leaving a home or um, even like filing papers, you know, or like, I can't really, I can't really think of any other examples right now, but if you're ending a career, you know, like doing something that really marks the, like, I am done here. Like this is complete and give yourself that, that like visible and physical act of ending something to really integrate on each and every layer of yourself that this is done. And I am now available to explore what is possible. What is new now, now that I'm no longer attached to what once was. Yes. You know, and, and when it comes to tangible examples of that, you know, I can offer uh, that I most recently, <laughs> in my most recent liminal phase, did something called the Road to Santiago, a pilgrimage trek of basically, uh, you know, closing out clients and walking every single day for, it ended up being 33 days all the way from France to the ocean and meeting people along the way and really setting the intention twofold, right? One was to open my heart more and the other was to intentionally call a close to a digital nomad chapter of perpetual travel. And now inviting a sense of, of grounding in a home that is consistent, you know? So I'm curious if, if you're open to sharing um, maybe an example of a, a rite of passage ritual uh, that you specifically did um, at a pivotal point in your life and what the outcome was? Oh, man, I've, I've had two really big ones in my life. And the most recent one was this last year. And I, oof, man, like getting into it, like just brings so much emotion, um, brings up a lot for me. And I'm grateful. It's like a lot of gratitude, a lot of like good feels of like, oh, yes what a potent experience what I did um I had a, a a season of crumbling a lot of things ended I got out of a um emotionally abusive relationship I 
you know, lost my home. I uh, was in transition with my career. Just a lot of endings happened. And I was left with, with like being really immensely unwell. You know, just a lot of endings happened. I had to make a really horrible and hard decision that was, it felt impossible to make. And I needed something to mark this, you know, to, to, mark an ending of that chapter to really give me permission to step into something greater and make purpose of this crumbling so that I can step into an even more expansive and um, just a higher vision than I ever could imagine before. And so what I did is I actually held myself a death ceremony and a rebirth ceremony. So it was a um, a 48 hour ceremony where I um, left my community let them all know I was, I was dying. Like the version that they knew of me was going, was going to be, was gone. And it really felt, I felt the weight of that. Like I let that really sink in of like, bye guys. And I went off on a solo hike and fasted, hiked and fasted um, and went out and camped for a day and had a whole experience with that. I ran into a bear. It was, it was an experience. (laughs) And then, um, after that death ceremony, right, like I really cocooned and put things to rest. I had a dear friend of mine who's also a rites of passage facilitator. I had her hold for me a rebirth ceremony because I wanted to be witnessed. And I think this actually I won't say I think it is really important. It's actually imperative in rites of passage work to be witnessed in in a crossing of a threshold and stepping into a new chapter. It's a part of being welcomed back in your new identity. So I had my friend facilitate and hold that right um, rebirth part where she, yeah, dunked me under the water. I had to speak out my, yell out my intense statement. And uh, there were people watching. It was very embarrassing. And it was a really powerful act where I really declared who I was now, what I left behind and who I was now that I have been reborn. And it really marked a massive transition. I mean, it. I literally physically feel different. I think different. I believe different. I stand different. Ceremony is such a powerful way of creating shifts and changes in our life. And it can be small or they can be really big like this. And like your example, like, yes, exactly. Rites of passage work. Magic. <laughs> yes. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that comes up around the intentionality and the speaking, because how many of us have been in relationships with people, or maybe if it's, it's even been ourselves, where there almost feels like a sense of betrayal because someone or yourself simply changes and there's no warning, there's no intentionality. And you're like, oh, I just kind of fell into this new way of being, or, you know, like maybe all of a sudden you suddenly stop drinking alcohol and all of your friends are still out partying regularly, you know? So there's something about being self-aware and understanding when things are shifting uh, in your external world and your internal world and being able to take the time and care to, for example, communicate that to your loved ones with the understanding that some people will grow with you, others may fall away and being fully okay with it. Um, And Also, you know, as you mentioned, being witnessed in that where you're in the in-between and certainly there can be solitude, but also uh, not being afraid to be seen as totally nuts by some passerbys, right? Like if you need to go out into nature and scream, if someone's on a hike and walks by and looks at you, you just need to be like, you know, this is a part of my process to yourself. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I was holding a ceremony for a client 
and that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had this like really weird experience. I mean, that was kind of a part of it, right? And um, it it shook people. They were not expecting it. And she had reflected back to me, oh, this is part of my story. I've always been scared to be seen and out of, out of fear of um, leaving a negative impact, like making other people either feel small or feel scared or make them uncomfortable. And I'm like, what a perfect way of, you know, through ceremony to really feel the power of being witnessed. Like, after some people came up and hugged us, they were like, thank you for this. This was so inspiring. And I'm like, what a perfect reflection. You're going to inspire some people in your leadership. Her her retreat was around stepping into her highest leadership and her celebrity status. And so you're going to inspire some people and you're going to freak other people out. And that's just a part of being a leader. You know, you're for some people and you're meant to trigger some people. <laughs> yes. You know, we were talking a bit about um, the experience of being an empath, especially Uh, when it comes to the changing nature of success and ambition, uh, that's really human centered, you know, there's certainly their self care, but then there's also really being connected with others. And, you know, that's a beautiful example of your client who um, was hesitant to fully express even because maybe someone would hear the scream, and it would make them feel bad, right. But then again, there are some people that are inspired by it. So, you know, I'd love for us to be able to touch on um, navigating the liminal phase as an empath and um, and even touch on, you know, the overused um, terminology of narcissism and how maybe, um, you know, there can be a fine line between um, how people view empaths or narcissists. Mm. Wow, this is a great topic. So as if, you know, I don't know if I'm defining empath, but um, does your audience know what an, like what empaths are? Or? I mean, you can redefine it through your lens. Certainly. I think that's always helpful. So to me, empaths are like people with like an amoebic auric field. <laughs> they kind of, they don't have a strong boundary. They kind of take on everything that's around them, whether that's the energy of the collective or the emotions of people around them or the experiences that they're seeing, they then feel and take on as their own. Mm -hmm. And so for somebody in the liminal space, everyone in the liminal space gets dysregulated. So their nervous system's already dysregulated. They're feeling disconnected from themselves. You know, they're feeling disengaged, low energy. So for empaths to be dysregulated, on top of being what it takes on everything, it's really easy for empaths to lose their sense of identity and cling onto things that are not theirs to form a sense of security or safety. And so it's really important for empaths in the liminal space to be constantly cleansing their energy, you know, releasing what is not theirs and putting up the protective energetic bubble. Just even that intention of like, I am protected. Anything that is not mine or not the highest is not allowed into my field. And I am connected to my own. I'm a sovereign being connected to my own energetic frequency. And I'm like nourished by the earth. You know what I mean? Like some kind of um, affirmation to help empaths come back to themselves and like not take on everything. I think it's really natural for empaths to be caregivers and like take care of other people. So when they're in it, they're going to naturally want to like do things for other people instead of like take care of themselves. But as you know, being the liminal space, like we, we need to take care of ourselves. Like this is the time to be nurturing us 
and not focusing on other people. And that's really challenging for empaths to redirect the energy inward. So that, that goes in the first topic. I didn't touch on the, the labels yet, but how does that feel? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that certainly sheds light on, um, <clears throat> on needing to set boundaries. I love that. It's a very uh, tangible yet intangible <laughs> description of, hey, setting those energetic those spoken boundaries and, and feeling that sense of rudeness in yourself of being deserving of those boundaries. And that's kind of that this brings us to the next point that some people may label that behavior as selfish. Certainly people that have known the other version of you that had fewer boundaries, or, you know, now they may even call it narcissistic uh, because that term is so overused, but, you know, especially with your background in mental health, I'd love for you to kind of break that down and let people know how they can really um, stay rooted in who they're becoming during this phase. Yeah, you know, I do want to talk about narcissism because I do hear people throw that word around a lot. And um, it does hurt for the people who have experienced narcissistic abuse and have been in dynamics with narcissism. Um, I just want to say narcissism, narcissism is a human experience. And all of these mental disorders or personality disorders that you know that exist in the DSM, they're all exp expressions of humanity, which means as a human, we can experience all of them, all of them. There are times that we can display narcissistic behavior. There are times we can display um, depression. There are times we can display, you know, name it. You know what I mean? Like all of these things we have as a human, we experience them all. And so what makes something a disorder is when it is the the scales are pushed way over and we're experiencing that list of things um, so frequently that it becomes a problem in our lives. And so we can all experience all of them. You know, they're not and these labels aren't aren't bad. You know, they're for us to understand how we can move towards healing. And so when people throw these labels on people for holding boundaries or acting selfish or just doing things that feel triggering to them, it's doing a couple things. One, it's like dismissing the, the, the sensitivity around mental health and it's shaming people for, for having their own process. Like we are going to trigger people. We're going to be imperfect. We're going to mess up. Like that's natural. But to throw labels on it can be really harmful and be really insensitive to the greater um, the greater work at play here that we've been trying to do with mental health, which is like bring it in and normalize it. And so with narcissism, I actually find that there's a really interesting dynamic that happens with empaths and narcissists where um, they're kind of like magnetically like drawn together. You know, narcissists, like a true narcissist. Uh, I say that like with that conversation in mind, a true narcissist feeds off of the energy of others. They 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 use people as like power as battery packs, right? Power sources, and that's how they it feeds them. And empaths are naturally givers. They want to give, and that's how they receive their sense of value. It's like how much they can give to somebody is like how much worth they have. It's like the story of I'm only worthy of love if I can give. And is this conscious, or have you seen that it's also subconscious? Yes, exactly. Oh, it's very much, it's an energetic process. And so it's this perfect pairing. This person wants to take and this person wants to give. And that dynamic, although it sounds like both what they both want, um, 
the sucking of energy from anyone isn't good. You know, no one, no one's going to thrive when somebody's sucking energy off them, even if they're subconsciously or consciously giving it. There's a, there's a balance there. And so what I actually find is empaths will, if they're imbalanced, will display narcissistic traits for two reasons. One, it's learned behavior, being around people, being around uh, narcissists, which is natural. Again, it's like this natural magnetism. So it's learned behavior when somebody's like so drained that they will then display those as a way of reclaiming some power. And they're not a narcissist. Empaths are not narcissists, but it's a way of like, um, it's almost like pushing the pendulum, like trying to reclaim their power enough that they 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 put up such a strong boundary or they you know act in such a way that they take. And so um, it can look like empaths can look like narcissists, but it's it's they're not. Um, and there's one more thing I want to bring up in that, which is when empaths start putting up boundaries, other people aren't used to it. And so it can be really hard for people to accept the boundaries that this really giving person who's always given everything and been there for them is now saying no. That triggers people because they are so used to that person being the person that gives them everything. So when they say no, then they have to people backlash. And so it's really hard for empaths to step into their power because they created a community around them or a lot of community around them that's used to them being the people pleaser who overgives and dismisses themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, you know, in this phase, there can even be that what you may normally be giving to others, you're giving to yourself and it may not be tangible, right? There may be um, certain, it, it, it can be largely energetic where people can kind of feel that your energy is no longer really directed at them and catered to them because you're allowing more of it to cycle through your own psyche as you are navigating this shift. And while we can't control the language that other people use or the judgments that other people have, it's just sort of illustrating this point of being so intentional and communicative of your own process so that you're able to have an even stronger sense of self on the other side and you know, um, one of my closing questions is around how to make the most of, uh, let's say that you've gone through the stages of the liminal phase and you can tell that you're at the tail end. Let's say you've moved into a new town or let's say that you've started a new job. Let's say that you're actively dating and, you know, um, or maybe you're in a new relationship. Um, how can you really maximize um, a thoughtful conclusion of the liminal phase into the next phase. Great question. And great. Everything you shared, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. hundred percent to this question. This is such a good one. And I actually would bring it back to some kind of ceremony, some kind of marking of transition. And specifically with the ending is marking an identity of who are you now? Who do you want to be in this new chapter, in this new career, in this new town? Who are you at your core? How are you how are you expressing yourself in a new way that you really want to mark? You know, after that crumbling, after that transition, that was there's a part of you that that was released. So it's created space for something new. So define that. As you're stepping into your next chapter, really define and declare who you are now and let that be the core and the anchor point. 
of the foundation of what you're building off of in this new chapter. Yes. And, you know, while we're um, sort of in the defining phase, that that's a nice segue into how do you define ambition? I think it's, it's, it's such a great question because everybody's definition is so different. And I even think in different contexts, I would answer that differently. But to me, ambition, what I would love ambition to be is the space of soul. It's like the soul fire. It's this fire within you that is driving you towards this, this higher vision. You know, it's this like inner movement towards a, an expression of self that is the most expressed. I think this is the simplest way I trace it. <laughs> yeah, soul fire. And so then if you were to say in one word or even in a sentence, what does holistic ambition mean to you? To me, that means a a whole self approach to um, igniting that inner fire to move you in like the highest direction. So like mental, physical, spiritual, like whole self on board of like getting towards and getting on that aligned path of your highest expression of your highest desire. Mm, yes. I don't know if you noticed my lights flickered when you said that there's some, there's some snaps for that. So, you know, oh my gosh, Ashley, thank you so much for all of your wisdom here. When it comes to the liminal phase, I have no doubt that people have been so supported even by listening to this, but I would love to invite you to share how people can stay connected and learn even more about you and your teachings. Mm, thank you. I currently have a free space for people who are going through transition, who are in the liminal space, because I know that it's really hard to commit to anything when we're, when we're in that space, but we really need community space and support. And so in that space, I share nervous system tips, um, connecting with your energy and just the process of moving through and getting to the other side. It's totally free. It is just like a space that we want to give to people. Um, it is called the preliminary space. And I'll, I'll share the link. You can find it on my Instagram, actually. And that's the link I'll give you. This is where you can find me most. I hang out here. My Instagram tag is the Ashley Dufresne. And my last name is spelled D-U-F-R-E-S-N-E. The Ashley Dufresne. And in my Lincoln bio, you will find that free group. Thank you for tuning in to Holistic Ambition. This is Stephanie Toma saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.